0: Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 6th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today, and the topic is how did the Chiefs get better coming off their convincing victory at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night? Obviously, there are things to clean up, but the Chiefs look like a top team a week after they lost to the Colts. Beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope, along with columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, discuss the many highs and few lows for a team that's preparing to face the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football. The show started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from another sunny Kansas City day. It is Sports Beat Live, our weekly chat sh- chat session. I'll get that out where we talk. Kansas City Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best and with you, please send us questions, comments, and join in the conversation with us. Uh, We have with us columnist Vahe Gregorian, beat writer Herbie Diopi, and beat writer Jesse Newell. Sam McDowell will be along with us a little bit later in the show. So uh, Chiefs played Sunday night uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they don't play again until Monday night against the Las Vegas raiders so it changes the week a little bit we're you know, of course we came to you from Tampa Bay at least these fellows did after the game and there has not been a practice since then typically in a normal Sunday to Sunday week there would have been a practice and we'd be preparing to cover the, the kind of the second practice so herbie just take us through on, on a situation like this how does the how does the chiefs week change when they play on a Monday night
1: well, they get actually essentially two days off of, uh, you know, from Sunday and and Blair say with me, it's back-to-back prime time games. Prime time.
0: <laughs> <Eight> prime time.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they essentially, they get two days off. And then the, the schedule changes from what normally is a Tuesday. Now that's a Monday or excuse me, a Wednesday. And, and so they'll begin practice on Thursday through Saturday because the, the schedule moves back a day, but you know, Having that Monday night off after a Sunday night game, a primetime game in Tampa, that it's actually a nice mini vacation for them of sorts. Because Andy Reid said, even after the game, you know, you, you watch some of the clips uh, of the post game locker room celebration. You know, he was he was telling the players, "You get two days off," and of course, all the players were cheering. For us, you know, it's the same old, same old. You know, we're just waiting for media access, which begins today.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that. Uh, it is different uh, for. For the players and coaches, of course, probably for the players more than the coaches, they're they're grinding away all the time. But um, you know, and after the Chiefs win a game the way that they won, um, which was somewhat convincingly, but very impressively, over a Tampa Bay Bucks team that had the NFL's top scoring defense. Um, you know, on this show, we, you know, we we try to find the things that we really liked about the Chiefs victory or, or game and the things that we didn't like. We spent a lot of time on Sunday night you know, in, into Monday morning talking about all that we liked. And there was so much to to, to like about that game and what um, Patrick Mahomes did and what the defense did and special teams had rebounded. So I'm trying to, I, I wanna start today by asking you guys, Jesse, I guess we'll start with you. Um, what what, what hits do we have to pick from the uh, you know from the Sunday night game and listen a coach will say this all the time we have covered enough football all of us to know that after a coach wins impressively after a team wins impressively you know he's always warning us to you know there's plenty to improve on there's plenty to uh plenty to practice you know, practice is going to be intense because uh, you know even though we just put 41 points on the on the NFL's top scoring defense. So just looking at what now that we've had a few days to reflect on what Kansas City did in Tampa Bay, what are some things maybe that uh, that we can look at for the Chiefs to spend some extra time in practice with?
2: Yeah, I think there's a few things Um, for the offense, not as much as the defense, but. Offensively, we talked about outlier performances. You know, the Colts game was an outlier performance on special teams. You're not going to just give a team 15 points or 14 points, whatever it was that the Chiefs' special teams did in that week. So you expect them to come back and be better the next week. The Chiefs' special teams was better, but this outlier performance in this particular game was third downs, and the Chiefs did amazing on third downs. You don't take that away from them, but you also don't expect to convert 70% of your third downs in any given week so again just a little bit of better efficiency on those early down situations some incompletions where there were still a little bit of miscommunication a few times where uh you know the receiver's not exactly in the right spots for Patrick Williams he had to throw it away that's kind of the minor stuff on offense on defense I, I will say there's probably a little bit of worry out there um Jalen Watson has had a great season so far this was his worst game um the Bucks flat out picked on him uh and they were Using some of his bad technique against him on the sideline, they were isolating him. They were going after him. And Trent McDuffie's not quite back yet. You know, he's he's going to be out at least those four weeks with the IR injury, uh, the injury that put him on IR. So they need a better Watson this week because now once that tape is out there, other teams are going to do this. Honestly, Nick Bolton was not very good in coverage either, and Juan Thornhill was not very good in coverage. Uh, both of those guys, from some of the rewatch of the film, were not performing the roles as they needed to do to uh, get locked on some of those receivers that uh, Tom Brady found down the field. So I think much more on the defensive end than the offensive end. But once some of these, you know, cracks in the armor come about, other teams are going to try to replicate the same thing and use those weaknesses to their strength as well. So I think Jalen Watson and then some of the coverage from Juan Thornhill and Nick Bolton underneath, uh, those are some of the things on film that are going to stick out. Some of those, those are some of the things that need to get corrected before the exact same coming up against the Raiders.
1: In Watson's case, I'll say this, you know, like Tom Brady is a veteran quarterback and and Blair, guys, we know when you think of veteran quarterbacks, they're going to go after rookies. So it's important for Jalen Watson, as Jesse Newell was saying here, to have that short memory because rookie quarterbacks are going to get picked on uh, from veteran quarterbacks, guys like Tom Brady. Got to have that short memory
0: and look this this is a week after he had a 99 yard pick six so uh had the you know the play of his probably the play of his life and turns around and has to face Tom Brady but one thing that i thought is interesting uh that he's getting the reps over over Joshua Williams a guy who uh, was picked ahead of him in the draft what what is their uh what what you know, listen i'm not saying everybody could have taken that interception that Justin Herbert passed 99 yards, but, but, you know, there were reasons that that was a chargers breakdown on that play as well. And, and, and Watson was the right place, at the right time and took it back. But what, what do you think the chiefs see in Watson over, over Williams, Herbie?
1: I think it all started in training camp because in camp, if you remember Joshua Williams was a guy who was getting more reps uh at the, with the ones outside of jalen watson and then steve spagnola defensive coordinator said hey you know we we had to remind this guy i'm paraphrasing here that you know you got to play faster you know this is the nfl and even watson said it took him an acclimation period where he had to start playing faster and then he's a talent you know this this is a guy drafted in the seventh round and a lot of you know i thought he should have gone higher you know when you look at a lot of the draft projections Nobody thought he was going to be a seventh-round pick. Even Watson was saying he thought he was going to go higher than the seventh-round pick. But he is a player that the Chiefs really like. It took him a while, it, it, but he finally settled in in training camp where he was able to overtake Joshua Williams, uh, probably with a little more prompting from Steve Bagnola to play faster.
2: And, and now you see where he is now. I, and I kick this to Sam, but I think part of this, too, you have to realize when we're talking about Watson ooh, is LeGarrius Steed has had such – great production so far in the slot and on the inside and, and brushing out of that. So you're sort of putting your rookie out on an Island there. And I think that's why the chiefs drafted Trent McDuffie is to basically say, Hey, we believe in this guy. We're going to have him lock down that one side, potentially move pieces that way. So it's not an easy assignment for Jalen Watson, but again, some of the technique things that he broke down with, uh probably we haven't seen from in previous weeks and again we could see from some of the production from the Tampa Bay guys that uh they were picking on him and they were picking on him pretty good so it's something that needs to be shored up and or you move to your next option of Joshua Williams and see if he can give you better production but again this is not a failure of the season from Jalen Watson I'm not saying that at all I'm saying in this particular game the Bucs picked on him and they picked on him with good success
0: what do you guys think of this stat I um I, I, I wish I had written down where I saw it on Twitter, uh, but just you know, scrolling through my, you know, my, my Twitter account and, and, and this caught my eye. And I'll have to, if anybody remembers, if they saw it and remembers, please give this person credit. But I thought this was pretty interesting that seven times in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's faced the, the number one ranked scoring defense, and he's six and one in those games. That's pretty impressive. I don't know if anybody else saw that, or, or we can f- credit uh, who who put that out there. It may have been NFL Network. I don't know, but that's that's a um, that's a pretty heady stat for for Mahomes. Um, uh, it's, it was we we listen same quarterback that you know that had some issues against uh, that led an offense that had issues a week earlier against the Colts. But there's something about going up against a really good defense that seems to bring out the best in
3: Mahomes. Yeah,
4: I think yeah Blair. It's a, go ahead, Sam.
3: Well, I think it's as much an Andy Reid stat as it is a Patrick Mahomes stat. I mean, I, I think Andy Reid sort of, you know, holds some things back um, for, for games that he knows are going to be the more difficult ones. And I think the third down stat that Jesse referenced earlier, I'm mean, con- converting 11 of your initial 13 third downs, which is when the game was was won, is, is indication that Andy Reid had a really good day. And we all know Andy Reid did not have a good day the previous week against Indianapolis, and I think he lacked creativity. And I think part of the reason he lacked creativity is he was holding some stuff back to use, particularly against Tampa. You know, Jesse went over this this, this play with Brett. Um, I never can get the pronunciation of Brett's last name. Tabo. Play. Tabo. But, um, you know, the Marquez-Valdez-Scantling play was a good example of that. He hadn't used that play yet. Um and so I, I think, like I said at the top, it, it's an Andy Reid stat as much as it's a Patrick Mahomes stat. But, but I mean, of course, Patrick's the one that's got to execute the plays.
4: I think also just it's a little tethered to the dynamic we've seen in Patrick of, um, you know, certain certain instances. You just sort of know there's going to be a little something more, right? And when it's when it's a particular challenge. Now, of course, we're saying this and. The Chiefs very much still have the Bengals game in their craw and even the last Super Bowl, right, is is not uh, too far a distant memory. But but if you look at other numbers about Patrick, you see what he does after a loss. Typically, you see what he does when he's in a situation where he's particularly challenged, uh, whether it's by a guy like Shaquille Barrett or having played, uh, you know, the last game against Tampa all these things are are kind of always percolating in him. So it's, it's a combination I think of sort of the practical point Sam's making, but I think also a little, little something, something inside him.
0: He, uh, uh, He, I thought the Tampa Bay game was easily his most creative game of the season. He's had creative games and certainly creative moments, but I, uh, not just Mahomes, but the offense in general. Didn't didn't Andy Reid say on Monday that the uh, that swing pass uh, to, to uh, one to was was it uh, MVS uh, was was something that they had not run or that was a new play for them?
3: Yeah, yeah, think, that's what he said.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and the, the one that that you've talked about the eleven for thirteen on third downs, the fourth down play. That that turned out to be the incompletion to Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Uh, I hadn't seen that, um, and it was a, a brilliantly called play. Uh, pass was a little bit high, but MVS has to make that, ca- or uh, uh, Clyde edwards alaire has to make that catch. So um, I just I, I'd seen a couple things that that I hadn't seen, which which supports the idea that he that Andy Reid was you know, either holding things or ha- hadn't used the entire playbook uh, and. Pulled it out for Tampa Bay.
4: Clyde does need to make that catch. I I will say I, I I don't have it right in front of me. Of course, I thought it was a little bit of an awkward angle, kind of coming over the head at, in a in a short range. But he's got to make that play. And Blair to your to your bigger point there. Um, and and again, back to what Sam said. There there was a creative element to this um, that was just on a different tier than uh, the week before. And I think that's something that Andy needs to. Ask himself about a little bit, to be honest with you. I mean, it. it I know you want to not show everything all the time, but it's not like the Colts game was a preseason game.
2: I will. I, I want to mention this. Clyde had caught every other pass this season, so his obviously his pa- pass catching skills out of the backfield were better than any others, any other back in the NFL. Going back and rewatching that, I will put a little bit of this on Patrick Mahomes. uh Sometimes he just gets a tendency to not square himself up. You know, he, he makes so many throws, so many off-kilter. When there's an easy one, set your feet, throw the ball over the top. He could have lobbed that thing out there. I mean, that thing, there's no reason that ball just can't float into CH's hands. So I'll give a little bit of this to Patrick Mahomes as well. That was a kind of a tough catch with a tough angle with this. I, I do want to say this, too, with the offense in regards to it. You know, part of this might just be, we heard Andy Reid talk Monday, very openly, I thought, about how him and Eric bien went through the playbook and kind of went through everything after the Colts game and said, is this working? Okay, no, going to throw it out. Is this working? Okay, maybe keep it. You know, that sort of thing. But then try new things. Part of this could just not just be, hey, Tampa Bay, you know, saving things for them. It could just be, hey, we don't know exactly what this team is good at yet. You know what I mean? Like, how are these pieces going to fit? We think we know in preseason how they're going to fit. We think we're going to run these plays that's going to benefit what this team is but you don't know for sure. And so I think the Colts game allowed them to maybe pivot a little faster to say, hey, let's do some pin and pull runs. Let's do some runs under center. Let's get more physical with the with the offensive line instead of these zone plays that are out of RPOs and do different things that maybe, you know, move away from the things you thought would work that weren't working and move towards things that now are working with this offense. So I think it can be kind of both hand in hand, but I do think maybe the loss of the Colts opened the eyes up a little bit more. Sometimes, um, you know, Winning can kind of keep you on the same path. Losing can kind of make you a little bit more easy to change. And, and I think we saw some change from the Chiefs this week, maybe not even just from a one-week variety, but from a multiple-week variety to say, hey, they can run some of these run plays and do them with success in multiple weeks and be more of a staple of the offense to come.
0: Let's take a break. We'll be right back on Sportsbeat KC. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass, For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Okay, we're on Beat Live, talking Chiefs with Vaja Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell. Hey, um, what the game that Isaiah Pacheco had? How does that change your feelings about the running back position? Um, about him, uh, he was he was terrific uh, and and ran hard and, and with a punishing style. Hey, listen, he ran the the way a running back runs. It doesn't finish the season because he gets injured, but He was absolutely pounding uh, the rock, and so does this change the? the, Does that performance change the way you think about the way the Chiefs will use running backs this year?
2: I want Sam to start because on Isaiah Pacheco's Hall of Fame plaque will be that Sam McDowell did not believe in me. So
3: go ahead, (laughs) Sam. I, I think you know. I mean, Blair. I think you guys probably chatted about this before I was able to hop on, but. You know, when you are asking yourself why can the Chiefs be better than they were in Tampa Bay, I think one of the answers is because they've got a lot of rookies that are only four games into their NFL careers. And, you know, Pacheco is one of those guys, Jesse. Um, (laughs) uh, To be honest, like when you look at the entire rookie class, the Chiefs have not had a whole lot of production out of that, like really large rookie class yet. Um, Pacheco's the guy that I think has most notice, noticeably been a lot better in Week Four than he was, you know, the first day I, I saw him out of training camp. And the difference in Tampa Bay was there was actually some patience. I think you know Pacheco likes to get it and run, which is which is a good thing on on third and shorts. Um, but sometimes he doesn't always follow where the play is designed when he does that. And I thought there were a couple runs in particular where he waited on a block, even in traffic, and got just four extra yards out of it. Um, But I also think it's overlooking that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had by far his best game of the season as well. You know, his rushing yards, I think, were about 24 over expected on the next-gen stats. Not really typical for what we've seen out of him so far. He's just been very mediocre. Um, and there was one third down and one play in particular with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We'd all talked about the short yardage for the last two weeks where they just gave it to him up the gut. It was like, oh, yeah, the old fashioned way of getting a third down and run, just run it, you know, left of center and see if you can't get this off your best two offensive linemen with Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey. Um, they just really haven't had that guy who's, who's been willing to put his face in there like that. So. I, I thought it was a difference in attitude as much as it was a difference in execution. And of course those two things go hand in hand. I
2: thought, yep. I thought Sam, what, real quick, Maya, I, I thought Sam, I was rewatching the tape from the end zone view and there was one one play in particular early on in the first half for Pacheco where, it's a wide zone run, so you have different gaps you can hit. Okay, so you, you can kind of pick and choose. It was not there at first. And we always hear Pacheco talk about the number one thing that Eric Biennami talks to him about or the coach is talking about is patience with this run. Patience. You can see he just kept running with it, kept running with it. I think earlier on, a couple weeks ago, he just hits up field and runs into somebody and falls forward for one or two yards. He just got all the way to the outside and then hit a burst. The hole opened up there. And I thought it was a good indication for him. I mean, we've talked about this. He has the speed. He has the size. He has all those measurables, everything you could want. And again, the guy we talked about, like when Ronald Jones in the preseason to say, hey, he can get beyond his pads and make a four yard gain, an eight yard gain because he's moving the pile board. He has all that. He doesn't have the vision yet. That was a good sign for him to see runs like that, where it could have been a two yard run with Isaiah Pacheco four weeks ago. And it turned into an eight, nine, 10 yard run because he waited on it. He was patient and he found the hole at the end. I think that's a positive sign. Again, if you can teach him to do that, he has everything else to be a really good running back.
4: And yeah. The only thing I'd add, Jesse, is that Andy Reid actually put this pretty well the other day when he was speaking about the difference between P- Pacheco now and uh, a few weeks ago because it, it it's obviously an acclimation thing and the point I think Andy was trying to make was you know he's going to go hard but if you're not going hard with the, the right vision patient sense of the scheme then it it's sort of you know counterproductive by the way I feel the need to introduce into evidence this Pacheco thing we're doing because it was in the Colts press box where every time his name was announced the uh the, the pa guide seemed to have a little extra fun with it and because of that sam and i are just driving jesse crazy saying it that way every time and jesse has is, is made it quite clear he really doesn't like it so uh sam at least is saying it more
2: it's great it's just taking me back to like sixth grade when you get bullied it's awesome <laughs> the bullies just keep bullying it's awesome this is great stuff
3: let me, let me live jesse i enjoyed doing it <laughs>
2: I think it's more you than me, Sam. You're not feeling good about yourself. That's why you're doing this.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so it it uh, so the Chiefs ended up with Pacheco and, and Clyde, uh, Patrick Mahomes, a couple of runs too, and they ended up running for 189 yards against Tampa Bay, and that is following a trend in the NFL this year. A lot of uh, r- rushing yards up uh, by NFL teams. It's, it's interesting. A lot of it has to do with quarterbacks more mobile quarterbacks. But overall, the trend is uh, more rushing. And how does that play into the Chiefs' favor as they, believe it or not, lead the NFL right now in rushing defense? Now, look, uh, they played a, a Tampa Bay team that went for uh, three yards on six carries. So, uh, they, they obviously, were are not trying to run. But they also held Jonathan Taylor to less than 100 yards. I think 75, is that right, uh, for the Colts? And – um, and kind of contained Kyler Murray as well on, on the ground. This is a, this defensive front is playing uh, better than what we've seen here in in recent years, isn't it, Sam?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's you know I mentioned this on Twitter. I think during the game, but one of the things that we haven't credited this defense enough with is their rush defense because we chatted about that on this show like every week for all of 19 and all of 20, and. They their their high point of the season is 103 yards in the opener to Arizona. Obviously, there was some Kyler Murray involved in those rushing stats as well. 12 times last year they gave up 103 or more rushing yards. You know, so they have been significantly better in the area where, like I said, two and three years ago, we thought was their most um, need for improvement. Um, part of that, I think, is because you know, although I, I mentioned earlier about the rookies, Karloftis has not been predictable particularly productive in the, uh, the pass rush so far. I still think he's shown some things that he will get there. Um, but he is, he is pretty good at, at setting the edge over there. And as much as people don't like Frank Clark, that's always been his strength as well, more than rushing the passers. So I think their defensive ends are helping as much as, you know, obviously the defensive tackles usually get a lot of credit for that. And the other thing is, I mean, I hate to say it, but Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman aren't on the field anymore. And those two guys were not particularly productive in the run defense.
2: You hit on what I was going to say, Sam, is um, sometimes it can be a weak link system. And they got rid of some of the weak links, to be completely honest with you. I don't think you can overstate, too. Um, there's a lot of questions in the offseason, right, where they're going to resign Tyron Matthew. Uh, instead, they brought in Ty- Justin Reed. And one of the big reasons I know they wanted to bring in Justin Reed is because they could remain in their nickel package but have some good run support. And he's been a really good run stopper as well. So you had him. Colin Saunders had a standout performance against the Colts. So you, you have to, to mention him. Chris Jones has just been a BC, probably has performed so far better than Aaron Donald, uh, which is something we should mention too, because like if you're performing at or around the level of Aaron Donald so far this season, uh, that definitely should be brought up. And then, you know, I just mentioned Nick Bolton, the, the Bucks picking on him in pass defense, but Nick Bolton is better than his predecessor when it comes to run defense. And he has snuffed some of that stuff out, especially against the bucks. He got in there, uh, had a tackle for loss, and he's had a great start to the season so far, too. So I think you've replaced some older veteran players with some younger ones who are frankly just better. And uh, that, this is the result so far. And it has been impressive to watch the chiefs play run defense.
0: And that, oh, that's true. Even as we're halfway through the Willie Gay suspension. So, um, uh, okay. Let's, let's get to some questions here. Rob asks, what's the best way to preserve Travis Kelsey for the playoffs? Let's ask Vaje. Vahe, when you were playing college football, how did you kind of uh, pace yourself through the long season?
3: Yes. Yes. Well, yeah.
4: You know I, I would only Thank you. I would only go down the field for timeouts uh, so that that helped me when, when others were coming off the field. Um, but listen uh, more seriously it, listen that's a great question but it's sort of the, the question of football in general, right you got you gotta be doing everything you can to make this team as good as it can be. Um, I think you want to be smart if you're up in the game but that's not how the NFL works, right I mean you're 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 doing everything you can to win the game. Uh, the Chiefs probably aren't going to have the luxury of saying we got to pace Travis Kelsey, right? I mean, he's, I think, the, the, on a trajectory to be known as, if not statistically, at least uh, in in the eye test, uh, the best or one of the couple three best tight ends who ever played the game, and that's uh, part of that is because of his um, abandon and because of their ability to go to him at any time. So you guys might have a smarter answer to that, but my thought is. Uh, you're stuck with having to play him a lot, um, which is quite fine. Maybe the Chiefs will have some uh, windows where they they can uh, take him out of a game early and play some of the other eleven tight ends they have. But I I, I think that uh, I I don't I don't see I don't see a change coming to to enable that.
0: Uh, Brian asks uh, should uh, should the Chiefs have run that last play before halftime at Tampa Bay? Mahomes could have been hurt on that. That's just the opposite of the situation in uh, a week earlier in Indianapolis.
4: Somehow I felt like that was a makeup call, (laughs) (laughs) you know, one way or another. I mean, I know it's a more convoluted situation than that, but, but, uh, what were you going to say, Jesse?
2: Oh, I just think this goes back to your previous point on Travis, which is it's football. I mean, he could have gotten hurt, but he could get hurt doing anything really. Um, So I actually like that call. I think Patrick Mahomes sort of, reinforced the notion he talked about the previous week, which was he said his main discussion with Eric Bieniemy was no matter what happens, I will not make a mistake. I will not turn it over. And so he saw the pressure coming in this play. He knew that things were going bad and he fell down. I mean, that's basically it. He, he took the sack upon on himself and said, okay, let's get to halftime. I'm not going to make the catastrophic mistake at the end of this half. Like it could be if, if I get weird pass rush or whatever. So I think that was the right call. I think that's exactly what you're talking about when you're putting your faith. Patrick Williams' hands, and I think he made the wise decision. He was not going to risk the ball downfield or put the ball at risk when the blitz the, the came for him, the rush came for him, and he was he fell down. He fell down, the Chiefs went to half, everything was fine.
0: John asks what's going on with Ronald Jones, maybe trade later. Um, listen, uh, if, if, if if this is what they're going to get from Isaiah Pacheco, that's what I thought had been missing, the, the, the hard-running – of, of Ronald Jones, and I don't know if one game's enough to, to change my mind, but it certainly is trending in that direction.
2: Yeah, I mean, I Ronald Jones was sick a little bit last week. He missed a couple practices. We kind of thought he might be activated to the, the roster because of what we talked about, needing that physical run game. So as good as Pacheco is, you know, every time he does have that, then, uh, you know, you potentially push Ronald Jones further down the depth chart and leave him on the practice squad. The other side of the coin is that, you know, what if Pacheco gets hurt? So Jerk uh, McKinnon doesn't really give you that. Uh, obviously, C.H. doesn't give you that all the time. He's a sm- more of a smaller back, doesn't really push the pile uh, as much as a guy like Ronald Jones or Isaiah Pacheco would. So stashing him might not be the worst thing in the world for the Chiefs if they're needing that off the bench. But like I said, he was sick a couple of days last week. And so um, I-, I would expect him to stick with the practice squad. I'm not sure how much trade value you'd have at this point, but. Uh, having that security is probably worth more to the Chiefs than some crazy late-round draft
3: pick. Well, team, teams can pluck guys off the practice squad. So, you know, you wouldn't need to, to give up, you know, something for them there. You can sign them off somebody else's practice squad. Good point.
0: All right, some questions about when players are going to get back. Um, Trent McDuffie and uh, – well, Lucas Niang, he, he's, I don't, I don't know about him at all. Um, and, and Blake Bell, what, um, uh, what, what is the, what's the IR rule, uh, about when, when, it, if you place a player on IR once the season starts.
3: So if they're on IR, you know, they open a, after those three weeks, they open a, a 21 day window to at least begin practicing. Um, and you know, you're allowed to practice for, for 21 days before the team's got to make a move. Um, so, once you're, you're sure that a guy was within those three weeks of coming back is when you'll start seeing him on the practice field. Now, you noted this earlier, Blair, when you asked Herbie about this week's schedule, but the Chiefs didn't practice yesterday. Usually we're here, and the Chiefs have already gotten in a day of practice because of Monday we don't know yet who's on the practice field. Um, so that'll apply to McDuffie and Bell. And then Lucas Niang's a different situation because he's on the PUP. Um, so his, uh, I believe that the Chiefs are – have to make a decision on um, – I think it's in the next two weeks about whether or not he's going to be on the – he's going to be out for the year or whether they do plan to activate him off the PUP because he can't stay on the PUP all year. The reason he's on the PUP is he never appeared in training camp for practice. You know, he's not practiced at all since injuring his, his knee in a, in a pretty significant way last year in the regular season game in, uh, in Cincinnati.
0: All right, guys. I wish we had more time. We didn't spend any time uh, on the next opponent, the Vegas Raiders, and uh, they got their first win last week against the Broncos. I, I don't, I don't know why the Raiders were slow coming out of the gate. They, they've got some talent over there. Um, Josh McDaniels, of course, is the coach, uh, but uh, maybe uh, uh, we're not going to do another show before. Uh, Monday night, but we will come to you Monday night around midnight, as we did last Sunday. I know we're all looking forward to it. Um, So until then, for Monty Davis and George Howard, our producers, thanks to Vahe, Jesse, Sam, and Herbie, and we will talk to you again after the game on Monday night. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, Herbie Teopi, and Jesse Newell for sharing their Chiefs' insights. Morning Sports Edition had complete coverage of Mike Matheny's firing along with all the baseball, NFL, and college football news this morning. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.